next on the OHIO podcast. The Wild Man joins Buckeye Boggs to discuss Ohio State's number one recruiting class with the booms of Miles Walker and Jason Moore. They debate who should be on Ohio State's 1990 Mount Rushmore. They rank the top 10 returning linebackers in the Big Ten, and they begin the 2022 Big Ten previews with Nebraska. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? I'm proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. It's time for the best Buckeye podcast. By fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from an absolutely gorgeous north-central Ohio, where I am joined by my co-host today, the wild man himself, Chris Wilds. I was camping this weekend. Chris, I think you were camping with a bunch of Girl Scouts this weekend, so I'm sure you're ready to get back and talk some football, man. Yeah, absolutely. You can only spend, uh, you know, so long cooped up with 14 little girls before you just you just can't. And thankfully, I'll tell you what, my wife did a great job with that camp. But uh, all I really had to do was go out there and teach them how to fish, you know, how not to cut themselves with a knife and uh, the rest she took care of. Good deal. Good deal. If you're not satisfied with pickup games and unranked matches, chances are you're aiming higher than most. As Spire, you'll train to be the best. Whether you're drawn to the pool track, mat, basketball court, or gaming controller, we provide the training you need to achieve your dream. Make our facilities your home or take advantage of free transportation services. Are you ready to unlock your potential? Visit AspireCleveland.com today. Chris, uh, the fireworks were Monday night for a lot of places, being Independence Day. Those fireworks have continued on throughout the week with a couple kabooms a big one just happening right before we decided to get on and record episode number whatever we're on, 226, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Chris, uh, let's start with the first kaboom earlier this week, uh, one I did not see coming, Miles Walker. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, my, I like Miles Walker a lot. He's a 6'6", 285-pound, three-star offensive tackle from Brunswick High School in Greenwich, Connecticut. Uh, Walker has a 247 composite ranking of .8842. He's currently the 463rd player in the nation among all the prospects for the 2023 cycle, 38th best among the offensive tackles. He's the second highest rated player from the state of Connecticut. Uh, Walker chose the Buckeyes over all that money that Texas A&M's throwing around, Penn State, Pitt, Indiana, Iowa, Boston College, West Virginia, Walker joins Luke Montgomery, Austin Sierveld, and Joshua Padilla as offensive line recruits that are going to be coming to the Buckeyes in 2023. And Eric, even though he's only a three-star prospect, don't sleep on the kid. He has seen a quick and steady rise in the rankings over the last few months, and he could be aligned uh, for another bump over the next few months, depending on how his performance goes. Now, obviously, the Buckeyes, they're going to love the kid's size and the work ethic, uh, he's 6'6", he's 285, uh, but he's really a completely different player than he was three years ago when he was 280 pounds. Uh, coaches at that time called him sloppy. The kid hit the weight room, got on a regiment, dropped to, down to 235 pounds, added that weight back as muscle mass. 
He's now playing at a slimmer 285, and he has room to add some size and strength to that frame when he gets into the Body by Mick program. And he's shown the determination that he can get it done. Now, what I really like about him on the field is Walker does play with a bit of a mean streak. He's shown the ability to pancake defenders and really imposes will in that run game. I like the way he uses his hands. He fires off the ball really well and shows a good burst and decent quickness for a guy his size. He also offers some versatility. He's a natural tackle, but he also he's a long snapper, played a lot of guard this last season. That being said, I do believe he is a bit of a project, Eric. He's going to need to refine his technique quite a bit, especially in the uh, pass blocking. I like his run blocking right now a lot more than I do his pass blocking. In the run blocking, I see an aggression, a nastiness. He really pushes the guys around, gets into that second level. And while I know that pass blocking is a different approach, he just doesn't play with that same nastiness, I don't think, on the pass blocking. He does have the tools and the measurables to be great. I think he will be. Just don't expect to see him starting this first year, maybe two. I do see him possibly being a starter come that junior season after he's had a little time to get coached up and and really hit that uh, training program. Chris, this guy reminds me a lot of last year's kind of late flyer offensive tackle commit that we got from St. Clairsville and Avery Henry, a young man who cut a lot of weight, got himself in shape, has good size. He was 6'6", 305 pounds when he committed to Ohio State, and he was over 400 pounds uh, this season before that, was able to trim over 100 pounds and and get into a better athletic uh, weight for himself as an offensive lineman. Now, Henry was ranked 721st nationally, where we've got Miles Walker, you know, almost half of that at 463. So, but... Walker is 6'6", 285 currently. So I look at these two guys and say, I think Ohio State's looking and saying, okay, we've got two projects. Can one of these guys out, you know, uh, outclass uh, their ranking, overcome that uh, obstacle, and become something special? You know, I don't mind taking one, maybe two projects a year on the offensive line, hoping that one of them strikes gold. Um, but to do it consistently kind of worries me a little bit. And I also think that this commitment of Miles Walker spells the fact, Chris, that I don't think we're going to get a high-end four-star or five-star offensive tackle like we were hoping. Your thoughts? Well, you may be right, but then at the same time, I kind of wonder – does this have anything to do with getting the kid who is the number one uh, tackle there in uh, Connecticut? Um, help me out. of uh, His name escapes me, Eric. Uh, is it, it Alenan? Well, um, hold on one second. I'll tell you in just a second. I, it's on the, I have to look it up real fast, but I, cause I just talked about him the other day. Um, unless you're talking about Oluwatosin Babalade from DeMathis high school, the four-star offensive tackle that we're in on. There's him, and I don't know the other one from Connecticut. He slipped my mind. Help, you'll have to look it up, or I will here. But uh, give me a second; I'll do that. But what do you think? I mean, are you down with the? Are you down the clown with like, uh, you know, taking some projects like this? I am if they're from Ohio, but from Connecticut, eh, I don't know about that, man. Well, you know, it's kind of hard to to say. I. I'm not afraid to take the project if he should. Now, th- this one, I look at him and say, okay, here's a kid who's shown the determination. He's he's shown his, his desire to get in there and improve himself and take himself to that next level. That goes a long way for me because that's showing not only a physical toughness but a mental toughness. Um, I look at him and I think, you know, maybe he's got that, that ability. And, and if, you know, the other thing is, Again, he brings versatility. So I don't mind taking a flyer on a project kid like this. Again, I'm with you. I'd prefer it be somebody from Ohio. But at the same time, you know, I I don't think it's a bad move to get this kid right now, uh, this Walker. I really don't. Um, Again, I don't know if he 
he, he may never pan out to be a, a top tackle, but then again, he could be, you know, a three-star that becomes our next Nick Mangold, you know? Right. Yeah. And that, and again, that's kind of what I'm saying is I'm not afraid when you, when you break it down by, you know, by, by stars, especially on the offensive line. Okay. Because I, I really feel like when you look at it on, a, on, on the offensive line, that those three stars from Ohio, a lot of times are really four stars, especially when it comes to run blocking, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, and you're right. Connecticut doesn't play the same level of, of football that we do here. But I will say this. He does have the advantage of at least playing in the elements a little bit. It's not like we're taking a three kid out of you know, someplace down south where they've never seen the elements. Uh, so I think that that could be an advantage. And, you know, I did like his his video. I thought that he, as I said, showed a genuine mean streak when he was blocking in that run game. You know, he was pancaking defenders. He was getting to that second level, using his hands, getting good push off the ball. The only thing that worries me is can he develop the pass blocking? Because let's face it, as much as we love to run the ball here at Ohio State, right now the, the college game isn't a run-first game anymore the way it used to be. It's not, which is why I think it takes a couple years for these guys to develop and because, the, they're, because they're so used to run blocking and, and they've got to learn that technique for pass blocking. The name you're thinking of is Olas Alenin, the Finland-born um, yes. tackle who plays in Windsor, Connecticut. Yes. And he is it's coming down to Alabama and Ohio State, and it looks like Alabama's in the lead there. So um <clears throat> so uh, yeah, that's that was the one you were thinking of. Maybe, maybe you're right. I maybe we have they have an in on him that no one else knows about because he did take an official visit there at the end of June uh to Ohio State. Let's talk about and before I do that, I do want to mention this. Miles Walker, pretty good long snapper, possibly yes. could kick him in the center. So yeah. There is that there is that caveat with Miles Walker that I like. All right, let's let's talk about the big boom that just happened a few minutes ago. The big defensive end, Jason Moore. Chris, give it to me, buddy. Well, let me tell you, they may not admit it, but the Irish are crying tonight. Because Jason Moore, 6'6, 255 pound, four-star defensive lineman from DeMatha Catholic High School in Hyattsville, Maryland is now officially a Buckeye. Moore has a .9861 rating according to the, two port, the 247 Sports Composite. He is the 53rd ranked player in the nation for the recruiting class of 2023, fifth best among defensive linemen, and he is the top recruit out of the state of Maryland. Eric, we've got some pretty good luck with getting those guys out of Maryland, haven't we? Yeah, and DeMatha High School, um, just so people are aware, one predator, the Chase Young, came from DeMatha Catholic High School. That turned out okay for us. It did, and he played the same position and had kind of similar measurables, kind of eerie. Yeah, well, Moore comes into college. You mentioned the measurements. Good size. He has a long frame. Uh, that's going to allow him to grow further as far as strength and conditioning go. Good footwork, great speed. Moore, I think, has an explosive first step. And he gets off the blocks pretty well. He's got some good bend and body control. That just adds to his explosiveness. Gets into the backfield. Really has a nose for the football. I think he could possibly add a little bit more on that upper body strength. Needs to work on improving his technique and using his hands a little better, I think. Uh, I see more as a potential contributor as a sophomore. Possibly moving into a potential starter role his junior season. He has the tools. If he develops as expected, I think he's going to be potentially one of the next great defensive stars. Yeah, so we are able to ward off, like you said, the Fighting Irish, Penn State, that team up north. Those were some of the big players. Alabama uh, sniffed around on them early, but uh, he was going to stay stay north of the Mason-Dixon line here. And Ohio State obviously was the best fit for him. And once again, Larry Johnson goes into the DMV and pulls away the best guy in the area. I don't know how many times this guy has done it, but he continues to do it. He did it when he was at Penn State. He's doing it now here in Columbus, Ohio. Can I just be honest with you, Chris? I hope the guy never retires. 
He's an amazing. Yeah, I'm crew. with you. He's the living legend, man. <laughs> and I mean, just just look at some of the talent this guy has developed over time, just here at Ohio State. And I looked at this guy's tape talking about Jason Moore. And no, I don't see the Predator. I don't see Chase Young, but I I see some glimpses in there. I mean, I think he needs to develop that first step like Chase Young and chisel his frame like Chase Young did. But I I see kind of a Jonathan Cooper, Chase Young morphed into one type of player here. And that's pretty doggone good. It's not bad. No. And, you know, I also know his measurables are, are similar to to one Zach Harrison. And the way I wrote down it is, is he Chase Young? No. But he's better than Zach Harrison, I feel like. And so I think you're right. I think he comes in, give him a year to get acclimated. I think he starts contributing as a sophomore. And I think he could possibly be that type of game-changing defensive end that we're used to seeing by his junior year where he shoots up the – draft boards and becomes a first day type of pick. That's the kind of talent this kid has his, his ranking of, of being in the top 50 means that the scouts think he's at least no worse, a second round draft pick. But I, I foresee this kid being able to climb up into that first round top 30 type of kid and be a five-star blue chip athlete, given the coaching he's going to receive at Ohio state, given, you know, all of those things, the, the type of people he's going to be around, he's going to push him to be better. I think this is a win-win, not only for Ohio State, but for Jason Moore as well, Chris. Yeah, I agree 100%. This is this is a perfect marriage here, Eric. This is going to be, I think, an incredible fit, and I can't wait to see this kid suited up in the scarlet and gray. And with that commitment, Ohio State overtakes the Fighting Irish for the number one recruiting class in all of college football currently. We now sit with 18 hard commits. We are ranked number one overall. We also have the number one ranking on, in the composite rank, which I think is the true the true ranking, if you ask me. I think Ohio State, with this commitment, Chris, is inching towards getting that top three class, like I mentioned a week ago, and this is just one of a handful of guys who I think Ohio State is going to be landing here in the final months of recruiting uh, heading into the early signing period. I'm going to list six names to you that I predicted that I thought Ohio State really wanted to be uh, who they wanted to land as commits. I said if we could land all six, it would be a home run. Jason Moore was the first one on that list. He commits today. We're one for one. I'm going to name five names for you. You tell me yes or no uh, what you think Ohio, if Ohio State's going to land them or not, okay? Okay. Four-star linebacker from Manny High School in Louisiana, Tackett Curtis. Yes. Four-star linebacker from Jesuit High School, and I believe that that's in Tampa, Florida, Trey Bowles. You know, a couple weeks ago we talked about him, Eric, and I kind of had him leaning as a no. What I'm reading more and more is I think Ohio State's right there in the mix. I'm going to give it a yes. Nice. Okay. Here's my here's my top guy. Five-star defensive end. Boy, wouldn't he look good next to Jason Moore from St. John Bosco High School out in California, Mateo Ugalele. Uh, you, you know, Eric, I don't want to be too much of a homer, but I'm hearing good things there as well. I'm going to say yes. All right. How about – the four-star quarterback from Dripping Springs High School in Texas, the current Baylor commit, Austin Novosad. Can we flip him? You know, I, I honestly don't know. Um, you know, I don't think we can win them all, Eric. Okay. This is a no for you, huh? At the moment, I'd have to say no. I Here's hope I'm my- wrong. Here's my prediction. If we don't land Austin Novosad, I don't think we take a quarterback. I think they go to the transfer portal to replace whichever guy is going to end up leaving next year with who doesn't get the starting gig. Yeah. And four-star offensive tackle, and this was a big one, and this is why I put this on here. And I got some, I got some uh, heat from some people on this one. But today's commitment, and I'll tell you why in just a second, Oluwatasin Babalade, the four-star offensive tackle from DeMatha Catholic High School. 
his good buddy just committed to Ohio State. We get, we're going to take at least one more offensive lineman. What do you say, Chris? Uh, you know what? I think coming into today, I was probably leaning more towards no. Now I'm, I'm leaning a little more towards yes. I think so. All right. Hey, if we get five out of these six, and the only one we don't land is the quarterback, who we honestly probably don't even really need to be to be realistic. That that is a home run. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, like I said, I don't think we get all six, but I think five of six is very conceivable. All right, let's continue on with our Mount Rushmore, shall we? That's a lot. That's enough of the recruiting news, man. So we started with the 1940s. We we've traveled through the decades, and now we land into. Quite honestly, Chris, when you look down this list, I scratch my head and wonder how in the world Cooper did not win a national championship with the talent that we had in the 90s, man. It makes me upset. It makes me ponder how in the world this did not happen. You had the terrible upset losses to the team up north. You had that terrible loss to Sparty in the year that we absolutely should have won in 96. You had what is considered probably one of the best rosters ever in Ohio State history, I believe, in 98. You just sit here and you question, like, how in the world did we not win? And then you look at the guys who are going to be on the Mount Rushmore of the 1990s, and I can sit here and make an argument with you that they're every bit as talented as the 1970s Mount Rushmore was, Chris. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, Eric. And this is the thing. You know, we talked about this in the past, and I, I've said it before. I truly believe, had we been under the current playoff conditions that we are now, I think Cooper has two national titles at Ohio State. Yeah, because even though those he'd had those losses, he still would have been selected. Correct. So, And they probably would have won. You're right. So let's go through our list. Um, I'll let you start with the obvious, and I'll give you the other obvious. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. For me, the obvious was Eddie George. Four seasons with the Buckeyes, George ran the ball 683 times, 3,768 yards. That's 5.5 yards per carry, 44 touchdowns. He decided to go ahead and throw in 63 receptions for 534 and a touchdown as well. Uh, George won the 1995 Heisman, the 1995 Walter Camp Award, the 95 Maxwell Award, the 95 Doak Walker Award. He was the 1995 Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year the 1995 Big Ten Most Valuable Player. He was a unanimous All-American choice in 1995. His number 27 has been retired by the Buckeyes. George was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 2011. George went on to be the 14th pick in the 1996 uh, NFL Draft. He was the 1996 Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. He was a four-time All-Pro. The Titans, like the Buckeyes, have retired George's number 27, and he is a member of the Oilers slash Titans Ring of Honor. So I've got Eddie George as that number one face on Mount Rushmore for the 90s. Let me add his records to this, all right? He's third all-time in career rushing attempts with 683, second and sixth all-time in season rushing attempts with 328, 95, and 276, and 94, and tied for fourth all-time in a single-game rushing attempts with 39 against Northwestern in 1994. He's fourth all—yes, go ahead, Chris. Does he not also have three of the top five rushing performances of all times for a single game? We're getting there. He's fourth all-time in career rushing yards with 3,768, second all-time in season-leading rushing yards with 1,927 in that 1995 Heisman Trophy-winning season, second all-time in a single-game rushing yards with 314 in 1995 against Illinois, which was just recently broken in the Big Ten Championship game against Northwestern back in 2020. uh, uh, That was Yep, that was Sermon, Trey Sermon, that broke that. He held that for a long time. Uh, He's third all-time in career rushing touchdowns with 44, and he's second all-time for single-game rushing touchdowns with 24 in 1995. The dude's stats are just unbelievable, Chris. He literally holds the most rushing records next to one Archie Griffin at Ohio State. 
that's not bad company to keep right there, Eric. It's not bad company to keep. You're right. And uh, one of these days we're going to have to do a podcast where we literally just sit here and we gloat over the running back talent that we have had since George too, which is just unbelievable. All right. Paving the way for Eddie George and also on this Mount Rushmore for us has got to be the guy who just opened up a lot of those holes for him to win the Heisman in 95. And that's the greatest offensive lineman in college football history. The pancake man himself, Orlando Pace. He was the Outland trophy winner in 96, the UPI lineman of the year in 1996, big Ten's most valuable player in 1996. Yeah. A, a lineman won the most valuable player. That's how dominant he was. He was the big 10 offensive player of the year in that same year two-time Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, a two-time Lombardi Award winner, two-time unanimous All-American, both 95 and 96. He was the Big Ten Freshman of the Year in 1994. He is in the College Football Hall of Fame. He was a Super Bowl-winning champion in Super Bowl 34 when he played for the St. Louis Rams, and they defeated Eddie George and the Titans, and that is still to this day, even though the last Super Bowl I thought was pretty doggone good, despite the fact that I was cheering for uh, the Bengals. I think that is the greatest Super Bowl of all time. One yard, Eric. One, One yard short. Yard. Yeah. He was a three-time first-team All-Pro, uh, 99, 2001, 2003, two-time uh, second-team All-Pro in 2000, 2004, he was seven times named to the Pro Bowl, and he was on the NFL's 2000 All-Decade team. And, yes, he is in the NFL Hall of Fame as well. I just don't think you can make an argument for either one of those guys being on the Mount Rushmore. Now, I have a feeling this next guy you mentioned is probably going to be the same as me. But if not, then we're going to have some serious, uh, serious debate here in about a second. So go for it. Okay, well, I'll tell you, the next guy, this is the Ohio State Mount Rushmore, not the football Mount Rushmore. Because I'll tell you what, I went here with Andy Katz somewhere. Didn't have the greatest pro career due to injury, but let me tell you, his college career was incredible. The Big Cat was Big Ten co-freshman of the year in 96, along with Wisconsin running back Ron Dane. First team all Big Ten in 96, 97, and 98. In 97, he won both the Buckus Award and the Jack Lambert Trophy. And he was named a consensus first-team All-American. Katzemoyer amassed three-year statistical totals of 197 solo tackles, 256 total tackles, 50 tackles for loss, 192 yards and losses, 18 quarterback sacks, and six interceptions. He is a member of both the Ohio State Varsity Hall of Fame and the Ohio State football's all-century team. I've got the big cat in at number three, Eric. Yep, I'm with you. I'm glad we went that way. So and, and his 37 consecutive games started yes. from the from the first day he was a freshman. That's impressive. The only other guy – I think the only guy since and has not worn since him the number 45 as well, Archie's number. So the big cat getting uh, getting some love there. All right, here we go, man. This was the hardest one for me, and I'm probably going to surprise you here. The fourth guy on my Mount Rushmore, and here's where we'll probably have a debate. I went with Big Daddy Dan So Wilkinson. did I. Oh, did you really? I did. Nice. Okay. Because I mean, I. It was down to him versus Sean Springs for me, Eric. Sean Springs, Antoine Winfield is another yeah. one. And I also thought, you know, it was really hard for me to look over the the trio of receivers in the 90s who were so good. Yeah, Glenn and uh, uh, Boston. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah Joey, guys, Galloway, Joey Galloway. Those three. I mean, it was so hard for me to look over them. But if you go back and you look, the dominance of Dan Wilkison in the early 90s, this man was, is, and still, in my opinion, the greatest defensive tackle in Ohio State football history. He and that's was, not even what he was recruited for. He was he dominant. He was an tackle when he came in, but he was yes. stopping and overweight. Yes. They sent and, him off in the practice squad. <laughs> <laughs> he, 
Two-time first-team All-Big Ten in 92 and 93, the Big Ten Defensive Lineman of the Year in 93, the Big Ten Co-Defensive Player of the Year in 93, a consensus All-American, and he won the Bill Willis Trophy as well. And he was the first pick of the draft in uh, 1994 to the Cincinnati Bengals. He did not have a stellar NFL career. However, he played for a darn long time in the NFL. And when I look, I mean, I think he played 13 years. 13 seasons. Yeah crazy NFL career. And so even though, I mean, I, when it came down to him, like I said, Sean Springs, Antoine Winfield, how could you look over all the Titans coach? Um, Mike Vrabel, Mike Vrabel led Ohio state in sacks, a career sacks for a long time until I believe Chase Young broke that. Yes. Um, so you have, you had, all of these great guys in the 90s, but I just looked at and said the dominance of Dan Wilkinson for two years, I had to go there. Yeah, I, I don't disagree at all, Eric. I mean, you're talking from the defensive tackle position. This guy was just, he was getting in there, lots of tackles for loss. What was it? Uh, two years, 23 and a half tackles for loss. He ended up with, I know he had, what, six and a half sacks one season, and, and I'll be honest, the other sack total is, is eluding me right now, but uh, just dominant, like you said, and he did it from that tackle position, and uh, uh, kind of a fun uh, stat, too, from his NFL playing days. Now, he did have 54 and a half career sacks. That's not bad. No. 195 games, <laughs> six forced fumbles, five interceptions, Eric. Oh, geez. <laughs> five interceptions. I love it. That's just how many defensive tackles can say, hey, yeah, I got five interceptions on my resume. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I agreed with you. I, I thought that he was just too dominant to be left off. So um, this, is, this is a funny little story. So when I was a little boy, you know, we're talking nine, ten years old, you know, uh, I I loved to to go out in the yard and play football and imagine myself, you know, as being a Buckeye and things. And then every now and then I would draw these like Ohio state figurines and color them in as a little kid. And, you know, a lot of them were all about the same size. And I had this giant guy, right? Like he was just huge. And I remember my, my older brother going, who's this guy? And I go, Oh, that's big daddy. <laughs> yes, it he is was such a monster on television. He was so much bigger than everybody. He kind of, in in a way, if if you imagine uh, our big offensive lineman, uh, right tackle, uh, gosh darn, I'm having trouble with my remembering DeJuan. names. Right? Yeah, if Dewan Jones was defensive tackle, that's what it looked like. Yeah, it was crazy. So there you have it, guys. There's our Mount Rushmore. We agreed. I didn't think we would agree, Chris. This is this is really good because that last one was tough, man. It was really hard to come yeah, up with. Yeah, I had a hard time with the last. I thought the first three were, you know, the first three were easy for me. But that last one, there was so many different guys you could put in there. All right, we're going to turn the page. And we're going to now talk about our previews for the 2022 season. We started with the top 10 of the different positions on the offensive side of the ball. Last week, we flipped it over to the defense. We started with the line. Now we're going to the linebackers. And quite frankly, Chris, as an Ohio State fan, this is kind of embarrassing, man. We have got to improve our linebacker play. This is Ohio State's known for linebackers. Let, let me just ask you, Eric, did you even have one on the list? I had two because I'm a homer. I I went with one. Okay. Now I I went with two, and I think I think I can. I know one is a reach. I understand it, but I think the potential in this Jim Knowles defense is why I put him there. If that makes sense. So Fair we'll g- go for it. What'd you say, bud? I said that was fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dive into this. Um, I'll go ahead and let you start it. We'll go from 10 down to one and uh, we'll see how good we are and, and uh, getting our line uh, lines matched up here or our rankings. But I have a feeling we're going to be all over the board here. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to start with number 10 and let me tell you at number 10, when your offense is bad, your defense can't help but put up big numbers, right? 
So I'm going with Bryce Gallagher, the outside linebacker from Northwestern. Gallagher was a shining star on a very average defense last year, and I think that's being generous, giving him average. Uh, Gallagher did have a breakout season last year, 90 tackles, 54 solos, and a sack. I really think he's going to have to do at least that, if not more, this year for this team to have any shot at winning anything. Uh, And honestly, I don't see them having much of a shot, but it would not surprise me to see this kid break 100 tackles this year. I got him a little later in my list, but number 10 for me, and here's my stretch buck guy. I went with Steel Chambers. Now, I think his statistics are deceiving because he came on late because they switched him over to the defensive side, and he didn't get himself acclimated to that side of the ball until about the middle of the season. But he was our most consistent linebacker for the majority of the middle part to the end of the season. Uh, He will be a redshirt sophomore. He finished last year with 47 tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, one interception, and two pass deflections. And here's why I think he will be a top-10 linebacker. I think in this defense – Jim Knowles is going to find a way to utilize his instincts and his athleticism. And I expect Steel Chambers to come away lead, being the lead, leading tackle on several, if not the majority, of games this year. There's your hot take. Well, I'll tell you what, Eric. I had him in at number nine. And one of the big reasons I had him in there was – First of all, he had the fifth highest cover grade among Big Ten linebackers last year. Nice. Not only that, his pass rush grade was 17th among all uh, linebackers in the league last year, which isn't great. But for somebody who missed a little time and somebody who was transitioning position, I think it says a lot about the potential he's got. Number nine for me, and this guy is the second highest leading tackler on this list, but he did so last year for UNLV, and now he's transferred to transfer you, <coughs> Michigan State. Jacoby Wind, uh, Windman uh, had 118 tackles last year for the running Rebs, six and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and one pass deflection. Now that was. In the Mountain West, I understand that. The Big Ten is a different animal. But Michigan State is hoping they can strike gold again in the transfer portal, this time on the defensive side with Jacoby Winman. He's number nine for me, and I would not be surprised if he's not higher on a lot of other people's lists because of those stats. But again, this is the Big Ten. Yeah, Eric, it's the Big Ten. And unfortunately, I did not put him in my list. Uh the, the the Mountain West, you, you know, if he's coming from the Big 12, even, I might have considered it. But the Mountain West, uh, you know, I, I couldn't do it. So I got number eight. What What is it with Minnesota, by the way, and hyphenated last names? <laughs> number eight, I've got Mariano Sori, uh, Sori Marinen. Uh, 2020 racked up 85 tackles. Uh, five tackles for loss, three pass breakups, two forced fumbles, one interception. Was a Big Ten honorable men- mention selection. Uh, again, very good coverage linebacker. He was eighth best coverage linebacker in the Big Ten. I've got him in at number eight. Number eight for me is Penn State's leading linebacker, Curtis Jacobs, for this season. Last year had 61 tackles, three sacks, and an interception. We know how good that Penn State defense was last year. I do think they take a slight step back as a as a unit, but Curtis Jacobs is the best linebacker on that unit, and quite frankly, he's the one that you kind of have to circle when you're when you're playing Penn State when it comes to running the football and making sure you get a hat on this guy because he will bottle up the, that running game. So Curtis Jacobs is number eight for me. Yeah, I got him a little bit higher up there. So number seven for me. Let, let's go over to the Boilermakers. Let's talk a little bit about Jalen Graham, the inside linebacker. You know, in his junior campaign, big increase in snaps, big increase in production. Uh, He's a coverage linebacker, had 55 stops. He had two picks, six pass breakups. Both of his interceptions uh, came in his highest graded game, which was the win over Nebraska. Uh, He was a Big Ten honorable mention again last year. 
Uh, I really look for him again to have a, I think, increased role this season and look for big things from him. Number seven for me, and this might be a little bit of wishful thinking and maybe another homer pick here, but I have Tommy Eichenberg. You all saw what happened in the second half of that Rose Bowl, and he finished last year with 64 tackles, one fumble recovery, one interception, two pass deflections. If, if Jim Knowles is looking for someone to set the defense in the middle who's going to be solid, especially stopping the run, I think Tommy Eichenberg could have huge numbers this year again along with steel chambers i think steel chambers is better at, at, at you know if a running back flanks to the outside or a, a tight end goes in motion i think uh steel chambers is the guy you want following that not tommy eichenberg but tommy eichenberg is the guy who's going to stick his nose in the middle of that offense and stuff the run so i have eichenberg seven okay okay fair enough uh Let's go for number six. I'm going to visit that team up north a little bit here. I went with Junior Colson, 6'2", 225-pound linebacker. He started seven games but appeared in all 14 uh, as a freshman. 61 tackles, three pass breakups, a fumble recovery, had a tackle for loss, half a sack, and three quarterback hurries. I think he's going to have to be a big guy to step up with everything they've lost out of that defensive front seven. I think he's going to have a decent season, and I've got him in at number six. I put no, I put no Wolverines on my list, so I'm I'm, I'm bleeding scarlet and gray today. N- number six, this is where I had Bryce Gallagher from Northwestern. Not going to reiterate all the stats that you mentioned. I just had them a little bit higher than you. That's all. Okay. Well, number five, and I'm, I'm and now we're going to get into a little bit of a theme here because. I actually have uh, – no, I don't. I guess I only have one guy off this team. But uh, I've got Luke Reamer, the inside linebacker from uh, Nebraska. I think Nebraska has really improved their defense over the course of the last year via the transfer portal. Uh, and I think it's going to do nothing but help this guy. Uh, he was the number one coverage grade among linebackers in the Big Ten last year ranked second in the Big Ten and number four in the Power Five with an 82.9 grade. Um, tied for second in Power Five in, of the Power Five conferences with three forced fumbles, second in pass breakups with four, fourth with tackles at 76. I think he's going to be a huge impact player this year, um, a- along with their other linebacker. And I'm, I'm sorry, the name slips my mind right now. Uh, to go along with the big transfer defensive end and the young corner they got, I think that's a much improved defense. It is. Yeah, I agree. And we're going to learn about that here in a little bit. Uh, number five for me, Jalen Graham from Purdue. Again, had him just slightly a little bit higher than you did. Um, I think he is the heart and soul of that Purdue defense and th- he will be drafted off that defense. So Jalen Graham, number five for me. Okay, well, it's my turn to uh, take one of yours from earlier, and, and that's Kurt, uh, Curtis Jacobs. Uh, you know, had a great season, was second team all Big Ten last year, uh, had 48 tackles as a freshman, 66.7 on his tackle grade, 78.3 as a pass rusher, just tremendous, tremendous linebacker. And like you said, uh, I think he is the – guy you have to circle on that Penn State roster. He can be disruptive. I've got him in at number four. All right, number four for me, this is where I was going to have Nick Herbig, but we talked about him last week from Wisconsin, and I think from my studying here, Chris, he is a hybrid. He plays yes. as, he plays as a defensive end. He's like a he, He's a linebacker that will come down on the defense and be a defensive end. And so there's kind of this question, like, what is he really? Is he a linebacker? Is he a defensive end? What He's both. And so some pe- So I'm finding his name on a lot of preseason lists uh, at both positions, which is strange to me. So yeah. here's where I would have had Nick Herberg. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. I do have two guys from Nebraska on this list. And here's the first one. And this is the name I think you forgot. Garrett Nelson, 
Yes, there he, you go. He led the Cornhuskers last year in sacks with 11 and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. Uh, he's a team captain, and he is the heart and soul of the black shirts. So even though he is not the one you mentioned as being the, the better of the possible NFL recruits and Luke Reamer, who I have in a second, he is the one who I'll put at number four for Nebraska. And now, and now I'm going to do a little theme where we're going to go Nebraska, Iowa, Nebraska, Iowa. Okay, we're going to go out west for the rest of your picks, right? We are. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that. Uh, you, you know what? I'm with you. So number three for me, I got Seth Benson, the linebacker from Iowa. Big season last year, 105 tackles, 54 solo, two sacks, an interception, three passes defensed. Seth Benson, number three. He's number three for me, too. All right, then. (laughs) All right, number two, I've got Jack Campbell. I'm going to the other side. And uh, 6'5", 243, had the highest overall defensive grade of the returning Big Ten linebackers, ranked fifth in 2021. And I'll tell you, I love the kid. He's big, physical, intense. I got him in there at number two. Uh, Number two for me, Luke Reamer from Nebraska. You just talked about him. Not going to reiterate that, but – yeah, Nebraska's got a pair of really good Nebraska, uh, linebackers there, and he's 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 the one the scouts are drooling over in the NFL. All right, then. Number one, and I'll tell you, Eric, you talked about it. This is where you easily could have gone, I, I thought, Nick Herbig here as well. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I had forgotten that I had mentioned him last week. Oh. You put him number and one, I did didn't have you? Him in there at number one. What a, what an amazing athlete, Chris, that he could he be is. on both he just, lists. He's that all over the field. Uh, you know, 41 tackles, nine sacks, 26 quarterback hurries last year. And again, is he a linebacker? Is he a, is he a defensive end? Yes. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> he, he's everywhere. Uh, I honestly think this guy could easily be one of the first guys drafted from the Big Ten on the defensive side of the ball. Agreed. And I'm hoping this is what Jack Sawyer becomes. Yeah. If he could be the Nick Herberg of our defense, that would be awesome. Number one for me, Jack Campbell. He was number two for you from Iowa. Gosh, 140 tackles last year, a sack, a forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, two INTs, five pass deflections. The dude's going to be, if he's not a first-round draft pick, he's a, he's a second-day draft pick easily. 6'5", 243, and playing in the middle. That's, that's, a little, that's huge. That's almost that's almost the big cast type of size. Yeah. Yeah. Just a tremendous I, I love to watch him play. You know, I was on that Iowa bandwagon last year. I don't think I'll be there this year, Eric, but I'll tell you what, these linebackers, they're, they're game changers. Yeah, and, and it'd be interesting to find out what that preview will be like. But this is where I get to tell you all. Starting next week, we will do what I, we, what we've been called in the last few years are two a days. But in order to do it properly, we had to start this week with just one team. So when we come back from commercial break, you are going to hear our newly minted, redesigned audio experience of our Big Ten previews. I'm so excited to bring this to you guys, to your ears. I think you're going to love the new sound and the new uh, way we bring this to you this year so stick around after the commercial break you'll hear my lovely voice as we preview the nebraska corn huskers and then chris and i are going to respond to that preview to finish the show hang tight the ohio podcast is brought to you by mastermind mastermind specializes in 360 degree high definition mobile video mapping gis integration and traffic safety studies Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. This is Eric Boggs from the OHIO Podcast, and today we are previewing the Nebraska Cornhuskers. To say Scott Frost's tenure at his alma mater has been a disappointment 
would be an understatement. Frost was expected to not only turn around the mediocre results of the Cornhuskers, but to start competing for Big Ten West titles and invitations to Indianapolis for Big Ten title games. None of that has happened. And now five years into this project, Nebraska feels like they couldn't be any further from Indianapolis. Now that Trey Alberts is the new athletic director, 2022 feels like it is a do-or-die season for Frosty, which is why the former championship-winning quarterback is calling for a Hail Mary this season, a change at quarterback, a change at offensive coordinator position, and an emphasis on bringing in talent via the transfer portal. Frost is hoping for a season comparable to what Jim Harbaugh had in Ann Arbor when he did the same thing in 2021. Can Frost save his job at Nebraska with a winning season and a bowl bid? Or will this be the final year for him and Lincoln? Let's start with the statistics of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. They play their home games in Memorial Stadium that seats 85,458 crazy Cornhusker fans. Known for some of the best fans in all of college football, their home field advantage can still be felt, especially during night games. Nebraska boasts an overall school record of 908 wins to only 409 L's with 40 ties in the mix. That's a winning percentage of 684. Nebraska's last conference championship, however, was claimed in 1999 when they were still a part of the Big 12. Since joining the Big 10, Nebraska has not claimed a conference crown, but they did win the Legends division back in 2012 before falling to Wisconsin in the conference championship by an embarrassing score of 70 to 31. Scott Frost has had four years at the helm for the Cornhuskers, where he boasts a record of 15 and 29. Ouch! Six total years as a head coach in Division I college football, where he now has an overall record of 34 and 36. Last year, the Cornhuskers were 3 and 9 with wins over Fordham and Buffalo in the non conference in a close seven point loss to former rival Oklahoma on the road. However, their 2021 conference record was a very disappointing 1 and 8 with their only win being against Northwestern. Last year's rankings in the Big Ten for total offense and total defense look like this. For offense first, they averaged 27.9 points per game, which was sixth best in the conference. 181.2 rushing yards per game, which was fourth best, and 266.4 passing yards per game, which was fifth best for a total of 447.6 yards per game, which was the second best in the Big Ten. On the other side of the ball, however, Nebraska gave up 22.7 points per game, which was eighth best in the conference. Uh, 146.9 rushing yards per game is what the defense surrendered, which was seventh, and 219.1 passing yards per game, which was ninth. That would be a total of 366 yards per game, which was 7th best in the conference. Nebraska's overall bowl record sits at 26 and 27, a winning percentage of 491. The last time Nebraska played in a bowl game was in 2016 in the Music City Bowl, where they suffered an L against SEC's Tennessee by a score of 38 to 24. However, Nebraska does claim five national championships, including 1970 and 71, 94, 95, and 1997. The key losses off of last year's team include quarterback Adrian Martinez, a four-year starter who set 16 school records, including career total yards of 10,792, but decided to transfer to Kansas State to spend his fifth and final year in college football in Manhattan, Kansas. Quarterback Cam Taylor Britt, a former captain who left early for the NFL after finishing as a second-team All-Big Ten CB, 
was picked up in the second round of the NFL Draft by the Cincinnati Bengals at pick number 60. He finished last season in Lincoln with 51 tackles, 11 pass breakups, one interception, and one blocked kick. Linebacker Jojo Damon, a three-year starter who finished with 72 tackles last season, nine of which were for loss and a pair of sacks to go along with two forced fumbles, two interceptions, and three, three pass breakups, despite not playing in Nebraska's final two games, is also gone. He finished as a second-team All-Big Ten and a second-team All-American before signing on as an undrafted free agent with the Indianapolis Colts. The top returners for this season include quarterback Casey Thompson, who started his final 10 games for Texas in 2021, finishing with a completion percentage of 63.2, along with 2,113 yards passing and 24 touchdowns. He had three games with five or more TDs for the Longhorns and has decided to transfer to be the new starting quarterback for Scott Frost and Lincoln. Linebacker Garrett Nelson returns. He led Nebraska's defense last season with 11 and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. He will be a team captain is already credited as being the leader of the black shirts. Also a transfer, defensive end Ochuan Mathis, former All-Big 12 fifth-year senior, transfers from TCU to give Nebraska an immediate presence on their defensive line. He finished last season with 45 tackles, 30 of which were solo, including four sacks. This after finishing with nine sacks in 2020. A pair of top recruits join Scott Frost and Nebraska Cornhuskers for the 2022 season. That includes cornerback Jaden Gowd from Bergen Catholic High School in Oradell, New Jersey. The 6'2", 190-pound CB was ranked 261st nationally, 31st at his position, and 3rd in the state of New Jersey. He's joined by fellow four-star wide receiver Janarin Bonner from Cedar Grove High School in Ellenwood, Georgia. The 6'1", 193-pound wide receiver was, was ranked 311th nationally, 47th at his position, and 29th in the state of Georgia. Let's finish the following statements for Nebraska. This season will be considered a success for Nebraska if Nebraska finishes with a winning record and gets invited to a bowl game. The most critical game on Nebraska's schedule is... Game number 12 at Iowa. If Nebraska is 5-6 going into the, that final game and needs a win in order to be 500 and go to a bowl game, this could possibly be a must-win for Scott Frost. The threat level of Nebraska to Ohio State is zero. Ohio State doesn't play Nebraska this season, and I don't believe they would see each other in the Big Ten championship game. My overall predictions for Nebraska for this season include the following. I believe they open the season overseas against Northwestern and having beat uh, the Wildcats last year, I think the Cornhuskers can do the same again and start the season off with a W. They then have a, a come home to play North Dakota, which I believe will be a win, as well against Georgia Southern the following week, which I also believe will be a win. They then get to host Oklahoma. I believe this will probably be an L. They enjoy a bye week before taking on Indiana and Rutgers. I believe both of those will be W's before losing on the road at Purdue. Following their second bye week of the season, I believe they will pick up a win over Illinois, who they lost to to open the season in 2021. However, I believe their final four contests, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and at rival Iowa will all be losses, giving Nebraska a 6-6 six and six record and probably making their bowl game a must-win for Scott Frost if he plans to come back and coach the Cornhuskers in 2023. This has been the preview for the Nebraska Cornhuskers by the OHIO Podcast. Please give us a like and follow and subscribe and make sure to not miss our other previews of the other 13 Big Ten teams as we prepare for the 2022 season. 
And there you have it. That was this year's Big Ten preview for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. First off, Chris, do you like the new sound of this thing? Oh, I love it, Eric. I love it. Uh, I think it's a great format. I love the the format of having the questions at the end there that we we are answering. Um, Yeah, I I think it's going to be a home run for us this year. All right, so I've got them at six and six with a four-game losing streak to end the season for Scott Frost and really putting his butt on the hot seat. Chris, I want to get your response to how you think Nebraska is going to do this season. Who are their wins? Who are their losses? Does Scott Frost make it through the 2022 season? Well, Eric, I have to say, I agree with you 100%. The Frost era has definitely been a failed experiment to this point. It is a do-or-die year for Frost. And guess what, Eric? He does. He is going to do. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt Casey Thompson's a huge upgrade over Martinez. Uh, you know, you talked about Garrett Wilson, Luke Reamer. We talked about him last uh, segment as well. I love the addition of Mathis from TCU. Uh, the the kid they recruited from that corner, I think, is going to be a huge help to them. Eric, I don't want to disagree with you, but let me tell you, this is a vastly improved defense. They are not going to lose the close ones they like they did last season. I see this team actually getting what people may consider two pretty big upsets this year. I've got them going zero and f- or eight and four, and let me tell you how they get there. They are going to beat Northwestern. They are going to beat North Dakota. They're going to take out Georgia Southern. And here you go. You've got a Lincoln Riley-less Oklahoma team playing at Nebraska. Nebraska's going to have a little bit of a memory about what happened last year. I got their first upset coming right there. Nice. Indiana, Rutgers, I agree with you. Those are both going to be wins. I could see Purdue as a loss. I love the Purdue quarterback. I think he's got a lot of talent. Illinois. That's going to be a win for the Huskers. I do see them losing against Minnesota and that team up north. But here we go again. They're at home at Nebraska. They may still be competitive because I think that West beats each other up quite a bit. They could still be in the running. I think they upset Wisconsin. Okay. And then they do lose at Iowa because, well, pretty much everyone loses at Iowa. (laughs) There you go. Eight and four. So I, you know, we had the Wisconsin and Oklahoma flipped. Other than that, we're, we're very similar. If he goes eight and four, he definitely gets to keep his job. There's no doubt about that. Oh, I agree. Yeah. And you're right that, that there is a, a huge potential there. If they could flip flop some of those one possession games that they've, that they've struggled with that they could end up being eight and four, nine and three, even the experts have Nebraska at seven and a half. That is their win total for the season. I'm saying under you're saying over, over. I'm telling you right now, I think this team can compete for the West. Can they win the West? I don't know, but they can compete for the West. I just don't like that over number. I mean, because if they if they go seven and five, even seven and a five is a improvement, and they're still under that that seven and a half win total. So this is this is a tough one to 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 predict. I'm saying under. You like you go ahead and say give them that eighth win and go over. Interesting. I this is this is uh. Yeah, this is the guy that will be interesting. We see what the other guys predict uh, on, on their predictions. So I hope you guys like the new format here with our predictions. Uh, Chris will be coming back w- with one next week. I think Nick Delanitis will as well. Jason Monk will be joining us to do these. And, of course, Aaron's going to join us at the end of the season, and he's going to do uh, the Ohio State one for us. Um, right before the season starts as he joins us in the month of August and uh, loosens up those vocal cords right in time for football season. So that's this week's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun this off season, but, but 
Chris, the offseason has quickly ended. We are into the previews now, and Big Ten uh, Media Day, I think, is in two weeks. We have so, eight Saturdays, I believe. Do we not, Eric? We do. We have eight Saturdays left, 55 days until kickoff. So we have eight shows, uh, and that eighth show will be the Ohio State preview. And then that week, we also will be bringing you the Notre Dame uh, pre game preview. So usually we preview the game the week before. This year we're doing just an Ohio State preview and then the actual game preview on that Wednesday the week before the game or the, I guess a few days before the game. And then we'll come right back Sunday night with our post-game uh, show. Uh, so it will be right into the swing of things, man. And then it's just, it's just chaos from there as uh, college football envelops our lives, Chris. <laughs> so, hey, but you know what this means, Eric, we get to get back out on the road a little bit. We do. And we've got some shows that we've got prepared for you that we'll be announcing as well as our new, here's the big announcement. Our new t-shirts will be arriving this week. And it has got a huge Buckeye theme. They are white with scarlet and gray lettering. Uh, It'll it'll say, hang on, Sloopy, with our logo on it. You're going to love it. And we're going to run a big deal, Chris. Are you ready for this? Let's hear it. So for for one T-shirt, $20 free shipping. We're going to do $20 free shipping for one. And for $40, you can get three shirts and free shipping, and you can do all of the new one, or you can mix and match with our previous shirts, the Scarlet Fever uh, shirt and the um, thy, uh, uh, How Firm Thy Friendship black t-shirt from last season. You can get all three of those for yourself for $40 free shipping that is the deal we're going to be running starting this week we'll make a we'll make a big post on it on our social media sites so you can see it you'll know how you can order your ohio podcast t-shirt and support us moving forward and we don't make a whole lot of money off this it's more time and and than anything for us but it's our way of saying thank you and it could be your way of, of telling us thank you as well yeah that, that's exciting eric i love that of course, I'm sure we'll have those available at our live shows as well. So that's just wonderful. I'm mean, I'm excited for it. I I got I've seen the T-shirt. You gave me a sneak preview. I love it. It's an awesome shirt. Uh, my wife already wants one. <laughs> yeah, it, these these are things that I I can foresee a lot of teachers wearing these to school uh, when they teach because it lets everybody know you're a Buckeye fan and how big of a Buckeye fan is. Because if you're a big Buckeye fan, you know what Hang On Sloopy means, man. Oh, absolutely, Eric. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of these schools, they do that dress down Friday during football season. So do a lot of the a lot of the workplaces. So I'm telling you what, this is a great shirt to have for that. Absolutely. All right. That's our show for this week, everybody. Be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH and sing Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH! Ohio! Go Bucks! Oh, come, let's sing Ohio's praise and songs through while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still summer's heat Oh, winter's cold, the seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show how firm thy friendship. Oh, hi, yo.